Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right, catch you later. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back when I was in high school, my best friend and I would basically hang out at school together because her dad was the warden of the local prison and his house wasn't even a half a mile from it. Her mom was judgmental and, well, a bit hostile. It was the attitude more than anything that kept me from hanging out over at her house. She was a woman you didn't mess with. One day, my friend said her mother came home white as a ghost the night before because when she and her friends had come out of the grocery store, halfway to her car, they stopped and noticed someone in the back seat. She was thinking it was my friend, her daughter, but as she stepped closer, she saw that it was an elderly woman. Well, she started to go to the car, but her friend stopped her and said that she probably got off the bus from the assisted living center, and she had better call the police and let them handle it. Well, she did, and within minutes, because they were practically around the block, the police car pulled up and she pointed to her car. The officer walked up to the window and she watched as the officer snatched the door open and literally yanked the old woman out and pushed her up against the car and frisked her. My friend's mom was horrified until the officer pulled the wig off of her head. Or should I say, his head. Yes, it was not an elderly woman. It was a middle-aged man. This happened just yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. I'm not quite sure what to think of it because it was just so bizarre and unbelievable. I might have just been sleep deprived. So last night at maybe 11 o'clock I was walking around my block. My town is relatively safe, so I didn't feel any danger. Plus it was a pretty night. I had been walking for around 5 minutes when a pale woman with blonde hair and a white dress caught my eye from across the street. She was about my height and looked to be around my age, too. I didn't actually pay attention to her after I first noticed her. While I circled the block again, she was on the same street, a couple feet in front of me. She was standing on the curb staring at the cars passing by. It was a main road, so even that late people were still driving on it. I said hello to her and she turned her gaze to me. I couldn't see her face super well, but from what I think I saw, 
She had no pupils or color in her eyes. She just stared at me. After a while, I asked if she was okay. She didn't respond again and simply pointed at the road. I was really confused and didn't understand. Right as a red car started coming down the road, she stepped into the road. The car slammed into her, and it was a bloody mess. The driver immediately stopped and jumped out. It was a man in his mid-twenties. We both spoke about it, freaking out. He called the police and I went around the car to see the state of the girl. Once I circled around the car, she was gone. Not gone as in dead, gone as in she just wasn't there. The blood on the road was gone too, but not gone from his car. After the police arrived, they concluded that it was some big hoax of a kid who didn't know what they were talking about and some guy who went along with it. The blood on the truck was brought to investigation, only to be found as paint. Nothing else happened with it. I'm still not sure if what happened was real. It felt so real. But I don't believe in the paranormal. I don't know what it was. If it was just a dream, or if it was real. I remember it like it was real. I feel like I can't leave the house now. I don't understand anything now, and I kind of feel like I'm going crazy. When I was 18, I was on my way to my friend's house for a party. We met up there, and then decided to go to the local Walmart for some beer and liquor. Between being the ages of 18 and 17, we all called our hookups and pooled money together. Eventually I got a hold of a guy and we met up with him at Wally World. Fast forward past the 20 or so minutes of the four of us waiting in the parking lot and we are on our way back to town. I should mention that I come from a small town and we don't have a Walmart or anything so we all had to go one town over. So we are headed back when this big rain just sort of appears out of nowhere. It is incredibly intense rain and I lose my friend's car pretty quick. I was able to find it, and I start following again. At first, the car was headed to my friend's house, and so I just kind of followed, absent-mindedly. But the car started turning down side streets and looping around neighborhoods, at one point passing their house entirely. At this point, I'm starting to get confused, but figure they are just messing with me in the most stupid way imaginable. I follow the car all throughout town, and eventually the car takes a sudden turn down a back road. I don't know how many of you live in rural areas or around rural areas, but I don't think I've seen country dark like this before. This was all made even creepier by a healthy fog that kicked up just after the rain ended. It was like a legitimate horror movie setting. Now I should mention that I have been on this road before, it was a popular road for teenagers to drift on, or take booze or smoke cruises. It was secluded with no houses around for miles and miles, just vacant, grazing lands. But it was literal miles away from my friend's house, and now I was getting mad. I called up my friend and asked her, Hey, what do you think you're doing? 
Making me follow you all through town like this? This is bullshit, I'm wasting gas. Then she drops the bomb. They've been at the house for the past hour, and they were just about to go and look for me. That car that I was following wasn't them. I tell them, I followed the wrong car back to town and turned down another road and headed to their house. Honestly, what scared me the most about this is that I had been following these random people. They were probably way more scared than I was, and if you're listening right now, I'm sorry for randomly following you all around town that night. Let me first preface this by saying that terrible things don't just happen in the movies, but in fact, they happen in everyday normal life. Most people are lucky enough to go through life without any major encounters. I had an experience that I would like to share to see what people think. Was I rational in my choices? Did I overreact? What would you have done? I think hearing responses will be therapeutic and perhaps help me get past the events of this story. Last year I attended college at a major university on the southeastern coast of the United States. I loved it so much, mainly because I didn't have to deal with snow or the cold weather. I basically had hot or warm weather every day, which was a huge change from the climate I grew up in. On this particular spring break from school, I decided to go home and visit my parents back in Maine. I decided that I was going to try to drive the over 20-hour drive straight through, perhaps stopping for brief naps or food along the way. At first, this seemed like an awesome idea. I could get there relatively quickly and spend most of my time at home rather than traveling. I spent most of the drive listening to music and catching up on some of my favorite podcasts. Unfortunately, the trip would take a terrible turn in Pennsylvania. I was driving through Pennsylvania shortly after midnight, and well, my eyes started to get a little heavy, and I was having a lot of trouble focusing on the road, and anybody who has driven through Pennsylvania knows that it's a hard drive even when you have complete focus. It's always foggy and very mountainous with many twists and turns. I decided that at the next rest area, I would pull over and at least rest my eyes for an hour or two, just to be safe. Well, I never made it to the rest area. I dozed off for a second, and I lost control of my car, and went right off the side of the road through a guardrail and down to a small drop-off. Miraculously, I wasn't injured too badly, but my car was destroyed and I was completely surrounded by trees, not sure how to get back up and onto the highway. Of course, it was pitch black outside, and the trees consumed the entire area. Blocking out most of the natural starlight, I tried to remain calm and ignore the terrible pain I was experiencing to try and call and get help. One problem. I couldn't find my phone. It was in my cup holder, but after the crash, it was so dark, I couldn't find it anywhere, inside or outside of my car. No luck. 
I didn't think I was injured badly as previously mentioned, but I wanted to use the flashlight on my phone to make sure I didn't have any major cuts or anything. I then decided my best course of action at this point would be to see if it was possible to climb back up the slight decline that my car had fallen off of. It seemed impossible in my condition, and with the limited visibility, it just wasn't a height that I could reach at the moment. And truth be told, I was lucky that I wasn't injured further after my car dropped down. Thankfully, the guardrail slowed my car down enough, realizing that climbing, driving, or calling anybody wasn't an option. I began to yell and scream for help. But as you can imagine, it didn't work. I slouched to the side of my car and finally started to feel real emotion. I was scared and cold. And now the real fear finally started to make my eyes fill up with tears. I had no survival skills. What was I going to do until morning? Just sit in a ball in the fetal position? I decided that walking through the wooded area until I can find an area to climb where maybe there was a slight hill instead of the drop-off where my car was. Of course now in hindsight my best bet would probably have been to just stay put because somebody in the morning would have noticed the accident and phoned it in. Maybe even someone passing by in the night and noticing the damage at the side of the road. As I grabbed some items from my car, I heard a noise. It sounded like ruffling of tree branches and footsteps. I hid on the other side of my car, paralyzed in fear. What kind of animals did they have in Pennsylvania? My first thought was a bear or something like that. Is that how it was going to end? Mauled by a bear. However, what actually presented itself in front of me was even more shocking. It was three men coming out of the trees. I couldn't make too much of it, but all three of them had huge beards, looking like their clothes were completely dirty and were carrying hunting rifles. I wasn't sure if to yell for help or to stay hidden from these men. For some crazy reason, my instincts were telling me to stay hidden which seems like the exact opposite thing you should do in a situation like this. One guy who looked like the tallest of the three yelled out in a raspy, rugged voice, Is anybody there? They didn't have any flashlights or anything, so I decided to quietly sneak around the other side of my car and make a run for it into the woods. As I slowly and very quietly made my way around the car, I was wrestling with the idea in my head that these people probably just wanted to help, and I was probably putting myself in more danger by running into the woods. But the demeanor and possibility of getting shot was a chance that I did not want to take. I was about five feet cleared from the car when I started to sprint, and of course, in no time at all, I brought noise and attention to myself. The same man as before caught a glimpse of me as I ran into the woods and yelled, Hey, get back here! I swear I heard the loud boom of a gunshot. I didn't hear it hit a tree or anything. I just remember hearing a loud boom. I don't know what else it could have been. I was terrified. I heard them following me from what seemed like several directions. 
I heard one of them yelling something about private property or restricted land, or something of that nature. I just kept running and running for about an hour, until I finally saw faint light shining through the trees. It was a road that looked like it led to a small town, or at least a few stores with lights. I walked into the gas station, feeling and looking bloody, battered, and bruised. The worker inside looked baffled and disgusted. I told him to please call the police. The police showed up in no time, and my parents were notified. They were going to drive down and pick me up as soon as they could. The police insisted that I go to a local hospital so my injuries could be assessed. When talking to the police, I told them everything about the three guys that came to the scene of the accident and chased me with weapons into the woods. The police said they would locate my car and take a look to see if they could find anything, or anyone. My car was empty. Everything had been stolen out of it. Even some of the interior car parts had been removed. Nothing else really came from this incident. I didn't have any major injuries, and my insurance took care of the car. I now live back home with my parents and attend school locally. I try not to drive at night if I don't have to. I guess I have a phobia or something now. I'm thankful to be alive and well, but still have anxiety and terrible thoughts pertaining to that night. I don't know what was more damaging to my psyche, having a major accident or being chased through the woods by three random guys. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. For some background, I am a gal from Kansas, and every summer since I was 12, I've gone backpacking in Colorado. I love to hike, and getting into the mountains is my favorite part of the year. Along with the beauty, however, every year I have a moment or two that makes me question coming back out into the wilderness. The summer I turned 15, however, has been the worst of them all. My day started the same, with my friends and I waking up late and putting our packs on to hike. This was going to be a fairly difficult day, as we were going up and over Georgia Pass on the Colorado Trail, which required some difficult elevation gain. At about noon, we had reached the top of the pass and knew we were in for some needed downhill. Our group decided to stop and make lunch before finishing up the day, seeing as we were all exhausted. As my group of about 11 fellow backpackers ate, we noticed two men sitting a little lower on the ridge. They were smoking weed, which wasn't uncommon in Colorado, but with my group, comprised of mostly teenagers, we were giggling and joking about asking them for some. However, our trail guides obviously weren't going to let that happen, so we sat and watched them smoke while we snacked. 
Now, I don't want to seem crazy, but at this point, all of the boys in my hiking group had gone exploring along this gorgeous mountain line, and the two men seemed to watch me and my three other girlfriends. I wasn't at all creeped out at first, but I did make eye contact at one point, and could tell they were both either in college or a little older. I didn't think much of it, and once the boys came back, we started down the mountain into the valley we would be camping in. The men were pretty far ahead of us, seeing as it took a while to get our big caravan moving. After about 45 minutes of hiking, we took a break. And this is when the first of many weird occurrences happened. I was leaning against the side of the trail, looking down into a thick forest of trees, when I noticed a bright orange hat, one that I had seen the smoking men wearing. I squinted a little, and quickly turned away, when I noticed it was indeed one of the men. He was staring right at me, and I asked one of my guy friends if he saw it too, just to make sure my bad vision wasn't deceiving me. It was the weirdest thing. The man was lying down on the steep hillside, staring back at us. The weirdest part was that he didn't have his other friend with him, which I thought was very odd, as the two seemed to be close when they were up on the ridge. I was weirded out but didn't say anything to my trail guides, seeing as I didn't want to be deemed as the overly paranoid girl. We kept trekking down the hill until we reached what seemed to be the ideal camping spot. There was a nice river, plenty of room for the four tents we occupied, and it wasn't far from the trail. The only downside was our neighbors who seemed to be a somewhat large group of college boys. I thought maybe that this is where the weed guys were camping, and for some reason, the large group calmed my nerves. I guess it made me realize that the guys probably weren't hermit weirdos. Fast forward a few hours, and I headed down the trail to fill up my water. Now, normally I would do this with a friend, but almost everyone was taking a nap and most people didn't want to walk anymore after our nearly 16-mile day. I wanted to be nice, so I grabbed about four or five extra Nalgenes and decided to do a full water run. The path to the river walked right by the college campsite. I made it to the river, filled up all the water bottles, and was about to stand up from my kneeling position when I saw the orange hat again. He was on the other side of the river, and was once again staring at me. This weirded me out, because this took place almost four hours after I saw him watching our group, and I thought there could be no way it took him four hours to hike an all-downhill, six-mile section of the trail. Neither of us said anything, and I quickly began to walk back to my campsite and past the college boys. The man walked uncomfortably close to me, like he ran across the bridge and was within five feet of me. I am 4'11", so immediately wished I had taken someone else with me, but remained calm and picked up my pace. The man, unsurprisingly, turned into the college campsite. He did not seem to fit with them at all, but what freaked me out the most was that when I looked back, he was gesturing over to me with some sort of smirk. I tried to wave, a sort of peace offer, if you will, 
but was weighed down by my now jeans. Then one of the men, not orange hat, spoke. You need some help, little miss? He said in the creepiest tone I have ever heard. It was slow and patronizing and made my skin crawl a little. So I replied with a meek, No thank you, and hurried back. I felt all of their eyes staring into my back while I speed walked. I told one of the guys on the trail with me what had happened, and he just brushed it off as me being paranoid over some college kids. Still, he told me he would walk by their campsite to get a good look at them, just to make me feel better. When he returned, he was wide-eyed, but wouldn't tell me what he saw or heard. This freaked me out even further, but I brushed it off as probably being some sort of locker room talk that my friend didn't feel comfortable repeating. Now skip ahead a little while. The sun had completely set, and after putting our food in bear cans, my tentmate and I walked around 100 or so meters to our tent. It's probably almost 10 p.m. at this point, and we were ready to go to sleep as soon as we could, but talked about the day and other typical high school girl topics. I told her about how I saw the weed dude in the orange hat at the river, and that he was part of the college campsite. She asked me if he was cute, and I told her that he seemed to be a total creep. She kind of reassured me and joked that he probably thought I was cute or something. This made me laugh and I fell asleep quickly, tired from the day's work. But after we had been asleep for about an hour, I awoke to what sounded like footsteps. Through the walls of our tent, I could see a flashlight coming over from where the college site was. It's important to note that our tents were arranged in a diamondish shape, with about 30 feet between each tent. We did this because the boys tended to stay up later, and this helped to keep noise down a little for those that wanted to sleep, and keep conversations a little more private. This night, my tent was the point of the triangle furthest away from everyone else, and we pushed it even further away because of the noise from the guys in the tent next to us. This is key, because I know that this light and the heavy footsteps weren't coming from anyone in our group. I instantly felt my stomach drop and looked over to see that my tent mate had noticed the noise and light too. At such a late hour in the middle of the woods, hearing footsteps coming toward you was not a good feeling. She whispered to me, what the hell is that noise? And fear shook her quiet voice. I don't know, but it's freaking me out, I replied, hushing my voice even quieter. I grabbed a tent stake lying next to my sleeping bag and gripped it tightly. The noises got louder and louder until it was clear that someone or something was standing directly in front of our tent. My heart dropped as I heard the nylon crinkle on our rain tarp. At this point, my friend and I were paralyzed with fear, gripping each other's hands fiercely. I noticed that there was 100% more than just one light, and it seemed that whoever was out there was circling our tent, flashlights in hand. I heard hushed voices but couldn't make out anything, still gripping my tiny metal tent stake as tight as I could. I thought I heard our zipper sound off, 
when with the adrenaline coursing through my body, I slapped the side of my tent as hard as I could and gave a rough-sounding humph, my hand coming in contact with what felt like a human leg, but quickly the chorus of footsteps moved away from our tent. My friend and I were terrified and watched wide-eyed as the lights grew more and more distant. Neither of us slept at all the rest of the night, whispering about whether or not we should get our guides. Thankfully, the noises and the light didn't come back, and I fell asleep from boredom, though I was still scared out of my mind. In the morning, my stake still in hand, I went out to see if I could find any footprints. To my horror, there was a mass of boot prints in the loose dirt, and they became scattered from the other direction. What scared me the most was that the tree directly in front of my tent read, Hello, marked into the wood with a knife. My heart sank again, and I looked over to the other campsite. Though it was barely seven in the morning, the college kids had moved on and left behind only the knife-carved message. Maybe they were just some boys trying to flirt with us, or scare a couple of high school girls. But either way, the fact that they brought a knife over to our tent scares me greatly. I am still terrified to this day about what those boys could have done had I not slapped one of their legs, and what could have happened if we hadn't woken up and been aware of the situation. Something just tells me they weren't with the best intentions. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I worked in a toy shop for a couple of years, and as you can imagine... Christmas was a pretty intense time for all of us who worked the holiday shifts. It was impossible to get that job without being an intensely enthusiastic, happy, smiley kind of person. Like 80% of the staff were entertainers or had come from some kind of performance background, and we were living the dream, so to speak. We were actually getting paid to play with toys, joke with kids, and above all, Christmas was the best time of the year for that. A toy shop at Christmas time has such a magical feeling about it, especially if all of the staff have Christmas spirit about them. Now our store was hugely into Christmas, to the point where our smart casual uniforms even had assistance to Santa Claus, or Santa's little helpers, or other variations written in big writing over the back. This, of course, led to some fantastic interactions with kids, asking about if we had met them and things like that. Being the only staff member who had actually worked with children for years, these questions were normally sent my way to be answered, because I always had one ready. So that's the backstory out of the way. One weekday, at an oddly quiet moment, 
I was on my own on the shop floor while the other staff members restocked after the afternoon rush. A boy comes in, unaccompanied, must have been about nine or ten, smiles briefly at me, and then starts walking around. I give him a couple of minutes to take a look at things before asking him if he wants to play with this new air-powered rocket launcher that we had. No thanks. I know Santa. I don't need your help. He replies flatly. This was mildly unusual, but hey, he seemed to be a pretty sweet kid otherwise. Unfortunately, I don't know much in there that would have been good for a kid his age. I figure it'll probably be his dad or someone paying for it, so I start showing him some kind of limited stuff that would be suitable for some of the older kids. I show him a few things, and he sees something he likes. This big massage slipper. It's one big slipper that you put both feet into, and it has various massage settings. Not the kind of thing I'd have imagined him to pick out, but a fairly cool gift nonetheless. So he asks how much it is, and I tell him it's like 20 bucks or whatever the price was. He then instantly looks angry and frustrated. Is that a bit too expensive, bud? I ask, keeping the tone friendly. I don't want this kid to be upset. And he nods. So I show him some other things, and he starts getting more and more difficult to deal with. He's frowning, breathing all heavy through his nose, like he's building up to some kind of temper tantrum. He starts telling me again how he knows Santa, how Santa gives toys away to good kids, and doesn't ask for money in return. I just calmly explain that I can't just give stuff away for free, and then politely leave him to browse the rest of the toys. A couple more minutes go by. I'm just sitting by the cash register reading a book since the store is so quiet. It's only me and the kid with my manager up in the office. I remember looking up from my book and the kid is at the register just staring up at me with this angry look on his face. Once again, I apologize and explain to the kid that as much as I'd like to, I can't just give stock away, otherwise I'll get fired. Your boss is mean, the kid says, seething with anger at this point. Now, this probably wasn't the best thing to do, but since the kid was so on the money with his little statement, my boss was indeed an asshole, I just laughed. Like not hysterically, just like this little involuntary giggle. The kid does not take this well. He thinks I'm laughing at him. Why are you laughing at me? He asks, practically shaking with rage. I begin to explain that I'm not actually laughing at him. But I soon realize it's not getting through to him. He just storms out of the store, disappearing among the crowds of middle-aged women that are clogging up the mall. As the afternoon draws on, the store gets a little busier, and I get to actually do some work. Like I said, the work was fun, so it was never a problem. Being busy meant the hours go quicker, which means I get to go home quicker. Win-win. So I make a few sales, get to test out some of the fancy new Nerf guns we had in store, and the weird kid eventually just slips from my mind. Nothing remotely eventful happens for the rest of the day.
right up until closing time, when I'm starting to close the store down. Someone is standing at the register. I look up from my worksheet, and it's the kid. I give him a cheery enough greeting, hoping the kid's mood has improved. But it hasn't. Instead, it's gotten worse. You're mean too, he hisses. Look, I'm sorry, kid, but where are your parents? I ask, but the kid refuses to answer. He just glares at me again. Kid, where are your parents? I don't want to have to call mall security, but you can't be wandering around on your own, okay? He knows when you are sleeping, the kid mutters. I roll my eyes, but the way he says it has me really creeped out. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been really bad. Where are your parents, kid? I ask again, trying to remain calm. The North Pole. Very funny, but seriously, you gotta go. The store is closing. He's gonna climb down your chimney covered in soot all while you're asleep, the kid said. I didn't say a word in reply. He'll know when you're asleep, and he'll be able to creep, creep, creep right up next to your bed. I reach for the store's phone, dialing the mall security short number. I try not to listen to the kid, but I can't help but hear his words over the phone's dial tone. He's going to stuff your mouth with coal until you choke and die. I turn, ready to scream at this creepy little brat. It's one thing to be a spoiled kid. It's another to say such creepy, threatening things to someone who's only trying to help. But when I turn around, the kid is gone. Not a sign of him, even outside the store in the emptying mall. I've only told this story a handful of times, but it never fails to creep me out. The idea of a kid having such a skewed idea of Santa as some weird avenging angel having such a warped view of the holiday season, never, ever fails to make my skin crawl. Back when it was originally released, I really, really wanted to get my hands on the new Xbox One. You know the one. It was 4K, ready with a considerably faster processor. So naturally, I tried absolutely everything in my power to get one as immediately as I could. My local Walmart was having one of those Black Friday sales, and like so many others, I stood patiently in line, waiting to try and beat the rush to grab one. But I was nowhere near sprightly or fortunate enough to actually get one that way. So after failing to get one in person, I then tried getting one online. But, as rapidly as I wanted one to own, the users who were reselling them were asking way, way too much money, and I simply couldn't afford the shell out double, or sometimes triple the price. After weeks of trying to find a way to get a hold of one, I had come to the conclusion that it just wasn't to be. It was then that I had something of a stroke of luck. Although I had resorted to Craigslist in my desperation, I did actually find someone that was selling their Xbox One at no more than the original buying price of the console. 
Naturally, I was skeptical as hell. For the life of me, I simply couldn't fathom why they would do something like that. But one thought overrode all others. If I didn't put in a bid now, someone else would, and I could kiss my chance at owning an Xbox One goodbye. I immediately emailed the seller and let them know that I was very interested. Not only that, but I had the cash on hand and ready to go. I also offered to pay for gas or whatever it would take to get the console delivered to my door. I figured that would be a pretty appealing offer to someone who I guessed was just strapped for cash around the holidays. I was stunned to get an almost instantaneous response, stating that they did still have the Xbox and were in fact still waiting for a proper bid from a serious buyer. They politely asked for a delivery address so they could bring it over as soon as possible. I was sort of hesitant to divulge such personal information and asked if it would be a better idea to first meet in public, since it was much safer that way. I'll be honest, I wasn't too pleased with the idea of a total stranger coming to my house, but he informed me that he was going to be very busy running holiday errands all day and that there would only be some pretty specific windows of opportunity to drop it off. It would be much more convenient for him if he was able to come to my house. I was still not particularly ecstatic about the idea, but oh man, I really really wanted that Xbox. So, in the end, I agreed and texted the dude my home address. I figured it was safer than me going over to his place. At least this way, I'd be on my home turf. I was so happy and eager to get my hands on that new console, that excitement only grew as I began waiting for the guy to turn up, but he took his sweet goddamn time, I mean hours and hours passed by, before I began to suspect that he wasn't going to actually show up. Around one in the afternoon, four hours after he was due, I was seriously losing my cool, thinking it was a prank or something. I tried texting the guy back, asking him where he was. Previously, I had gotten pretty timely responses from the guy, but this time, I didn't hear a single thing from him. By six that evening, I just lost all hope. I assumed that he had gotten a better offer from someone else and didn't have the heart to tell me that he'd picked a new buyer. I was disappointed, more than words can possibly describe. I had gotten myself so psyched and I can't even tell you how deflated I was. It's one thing to not have gotten the item from the store. I could come to terms with that. But I was so close to having one in my hands. It sucked having my hopes dashed so cruelly like that. But that didn't mean I'd given up entirely. So, for the rest of the night, I kept looking around on Craigslist and other sites to find an Xbox One that was within my price range. But as I was getting ready to wind down for bed, I heard something. At first I dismissed it as the wind or something, that it was maybe just my imagination. But then, I heard it again. Someone was knocking, not at my front door, but lightly on the TV room window. 
I walked up to the bedroom window and peered out into the driveway, seeing this strange-looking dude at my front door, looking around as if checking if the coast was clear. I'm suspicious, but I go downstairs to see what he wants. He identified himself as the guy who had the Xbox, apologized for being so late, and explained that he had gotten backtracked with errands during his day. Then, he casually asked if I still had the money. I opened the door all the way, but still kept the screen door closed as a precaution. Something just didn't feel right. Like, at all. I told him that yeah, I still had the cash on me, but I didn't see that he had anything with him. So I calmly asked if he brought the Xbox with him, like if it's still in his car or something. As I expected, he told me it was out in his van. He told me to get the money and come out to the van with him, and he would get it for me. I let him know I wasn't really comfortable walking out to his van, but he seems to understand and tells me that it was all good. I briefly look over the guy's shoulder and see that there is in fact someone else sitting there in the van. Not only that, but the dude at my door had been keeping his hands concealed in the little front pouch of his hoodie the whole time while talking to me, and there was definitely something more than just his hands in there. Don't ask me how I could tell. I just could. You know when you just get a gut feeling about something? Yeah. That. I tried to stay as chill as possible as I lied to him that I was just going to go fetch my wallet and return in a minute. His mood immediately changed as I closed the door in his face before locking it. I then make this split-second decision, better to be safe than sorry, so I pull my phone out of my shorts and dial 911. But as I do, I heard a loud thud on my front door. Then the sound of the van's engine revving before it zooms off into the night. When I went to check and see if he damaged my door, I nearly pissed my pants when I saw a rusty old hatchet buried in the wood. I was right that he had something in his sweatshirt and that I shouldn't go out to the van with him. Be careful who you're buying from, folks. You never know who's behind the username.